Welcome again to Growing in Grace Together. I'm Joel Brzezinski, and my very special guest today is a good friend of mine and someone I hope that many of you are familiar with as well. Jim Robbins, he's the author of Recover Your Good Heart, and he has the Good and Noble Heart Ministry. Jim, uh, welcome to the program, and I'm glad to have you with me. Hey, thanks, Joel. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, it's been probably, what, about a year or so that we've known each other? I'm thinking it was around... I don't know, last October or so, that we got in contact with each other. Our ministries, you know, the things that we do, uh, the things that we talk about, the grace of God and the the heart, and, you know, the the new heart that we have, our ministries kind of intersect in that way. So many things in common, and uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the last year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And um, it's really refreshing to find others online who really understand the offer of the gospel, and um, I'm really seeing that, that for me, that happens online. Online mm-hmm. is where I'm finding those people, which, um, you know, I'm finding some people that are not online as well, but there's such a growing community that is kind of all after the same thing, uh, you know, whether it's your ministry or, or, or mine or um, a, a bunch of others, we're kind of all looking at what really is Jesus' offering and what is the gospel? Let's get back to that, because we're not seeing people free. Right. We need to see people walking in the kind of freedom and new new life that Jesus offers. So, yeah, I'm really encouraged by that, and it's been, it's been great getting to know you as well. Yeah, isn't that something else that uh, uh, is people... You know, some there are churches around the country and around the world that have this wonderful message of God's grace and the new heart, but so many people are having to in a sense, get out of that type of setting in order to really find out who they really are in Christ. And online uh, has definitely been a place for uh, for many people to do that. And it's it's more, from what I've seen and from what I've experienced, it's more than just going online and getting some good information. But people are really forming some relationships, and they're really being able to be the body of Christ with each other and encourage one another you know, uh, the whole time, and it's it's just been a really positive thing, I think. Yeah, it really is about developing connections, and um, I remember about a year ago I read a book by George Barna called Revolution, and right. in that book he predicts how he thinks the church, capital C, is going to look um, by the year um, 2020 or 2025, and um, it's it's gradually and strongly moving in the direction where um, a third of people's um, fellowship and connecting with others, the way they think about church, will be um, in small organic fellowships. Um, A third will be um, online, Hmm. and a third will be in what are typically now known as, you know, traditional brick-and-mortar congregations, Mm -hmm. whereas now brick-and-mortar is a larger population, but we're moving away from that. Right. And as you and I are seeing, that's the trend. The trend is toward uh, people want authentic relationships, and if they're not going to find them in the brick-and-mortar places, and it doesn't mean you can't find them there, Right. but for many people, that's just not where they're finding them, so they're moving to this, uh, to online, uh, and forming genuine relationships with people. I mean, of course, you don't have the dynamic interaction of face-to-face, but something deeper is happening 
than what people were getting before in the brick and mortar. So it's really encouraging. Yeah, I think it really is a good thing. I mean, um, it, you know, the idea that it has to be inside a, a church building, you know, is something that really wasn't with the early church. They met in homes, they met wherever they could, and and the main thing was that they encouraged one another in the gospel and and all that. So, well, as we uh, get into this here. Um, you, uh, your ministry, Jim, uh, the good and noble heart. You've got uh, you've got a, a blog, uh, you know, website, and you've got a, a community on Ning.com that people can find out uh, all about the good and noble heart. And so, as we get started, I, how would you? What is your definition or description? of, you know, when you're talking about the heart, uh, I know you're not talking about the physical blood-pumping muscle, uh, of course, that uh, gets blood circulated throughout the body, but there is this thing called the heart, and how would you describe or define the heart? Yeah, that's a good question, because the heart in Scripture is not this hallmark sentimentality. It's not the it's not strictly the feeling side of who we are. Um, the heart is really the centerpiece of the person. In other words, the core self, the true um, identity of a person. Um, I mean, think of how many times the heart is used in scriptures. You know, return to God with all your heart. Well, how can you do that if you don't trust your heart, if your heart is still desperately wicked? You can't return to God. Or, um, you know, God looks on the, man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. So the heart is this wellspring out of out of which life flows. Or if it's diseased, in the case of uh, um, before we come to Christ, it's it's the the wellspring and the, and the cooperative power with sin in our lives. So heart is the centerpiece of a person's identity in Scripture. And even Albert Einstein said that the part the, the problem in humanity is the heart. So we're not talking about feelings versus intellect. Um, or emotions versus reason. We're talking about the core of the person's identity and self, the true, the true you, as represented in your inmost being. Right, and, and so the the good and noble heart versus the the heart being deceitfully, you know, desperately wicked and, and deceitful. So you know, uh, I'm gonna play devil's advocate with you just real quickly because I know where you're coming from, but some people of listening course. might not. But you know, uh, the Bible says <laughs> in Jeremiah seventeen nine, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And, and so there are many people, you know, many Christians who look at that verse and say, see, that's in the Bible. The heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is desperately wicked. And uh, you're saying that we have a good and noble heart. So, you know, where's, where's the difference and, and how did this come about? Uh, well, actually, first of all, I thought we were going to talk about ruby-throated hummingbirds. That's what you said in your email. <laughs> that's so right. We were confused while you're talking about this. Hard we were stuff. thinking, what are we going to talk about in this discussion? Yeah, that's one of the things I threw <laughs> out <kidding>. there. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Joel and I went back and forth. With what, you know, um, well, what, what we talk about that would be most helpful, and we brought up ruby-throated hummingbirds. So if there's anybody interested in that, you can email us later. Um, it, no, that's a great question. The problem with how many of us are viewing Scripture today, particularly the Old Testament or Old Covenant, is that we haven't made the shift from an Old Covenant mentality to a New Covenant mentality. So we read passages like that passage in Jeremiah that says the heart is desperately wicked, and we want to apply Scripture to our lives. 
So we think, well, that must apply to me as it stands. But what we've forgotten to do is, is say that that is the history of God's people, including my history, before the work of Christ. After the work of Christ, we have to go back and look at the Old Testament much differently and say, well, wait a minute, that was the way that we related to God under the Old Covenant before Christ rescued our hearts. So, yes, before we come to Christ, our heart is deceitfully wicked, can't be trusted, we can't rely on it, it's, it's not a good um, compass for our lives, and in fact leads us astray and cooperates with sin. And many people are stuck there mm-hmm. because they genuinely want to read all of Scripture and apply it to their lives, they haven't been given the lens through which to see the Old Covenant as something that was past, past mm-hmm. tense, a past way of relating. And now we've shifted into the new. We've shifted into a very different way of relating to God based on the recovery of our hearts. So, yeah, that's a really good point. And even, you know, uh, we write worship songs without that kind of discernment, you know, about the cries of David's heart, you know, you know, give me a clean heart, oh God, renew a right spirit. And we think that God has not yet done that. Right. In fact, that was David's cry because he was not yet living under the new covenant because Christ had not come. Now, we had faith in Christ, but I don't know if we can say he had a new heart and a new spirit yet because Christ through his cross, his death and resurrection, and the incoming indwelling of the Holy Spirit had not occurred yet. Right. Yeah, created me a clean heart. That has happened now, right, with the life of Christ in us. That, you know, the the clean heart we've been given, this, this new heart, God has said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And that's what we're living from now, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, that's even foretold in parts of Jeremiah. Um, that he's going to write the law... On our hearts, and it doesn't mean he's going to write like uh, you know, keep your never never trim your beard, right. um, never wear clothing of mixed fibers. Um, if you're a woman, you have to go to the red tent every month. I mean, you know, all that stuff is. If you really want to be obedient to the law, that's you can't you can't leave that stuff out either. Exactly. You know, so it's not like he's written the old code on our hearts. He's written the spirit of the law. In other words, the spirit of Christ. Uh, you know, Paul says the, the, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. That's what we have now. And it's not just written kind of on top. You know, it's not this container theory. The heart isn't some, like, object where you write on top of it. The heart is a new identity, so it actually right. is indwelled so that, you know, even Martin Luther said um, that the Spirit gives us new hearts so that we now want to do what the law of love commands. Right. Yeah, and so now, now with this... Um with this new understanding, which is really the re- not, it's not really a new understanding. It's the way that it's been ever since ever since the cross uh, that we've been raised together with Christ. We've been given a new spirit and a new heart, and, and like what you were just talking about. But but yet, a lot of Christians tend to walk around with guilt, a lot of shame, uh, not not realizing that they have a new heart. So, would you? What would you say? Would you think that many Christians, why they believe, why they walk around in so much guilt and shame, is because they don't have this understanding, the the truth of their new heart? Yeah, and you know, it's. I would say for the most part, it's really not their fault. Um, it's the message that they've been given, and it's the message mm-hmm. that their leaders have been given. You right. know, and so 
what we need to do is question our assumptions about the gospel. You know, there's a healthy questioning that can expose things that keep us from um, living in the fullness of Christ. Um, this isn't a new message. The issue of the new heart is not a new message. Um, it's, it's all over Scripture, but if we've been given the wrong lens and never question our assumptions, we're going to walk around under this. Uh, it's a gospel of pressure. It's, mm-hmm. it's, the, um, it's the idea that you're not enough of something yet. So we're going to keep giving you message after message after message to try and improve your ability to act like a Christian. And so what we have is this gospel of behavior management, which is coupled with the gospel of sin management. You know, just keep, get people to stop sinning and act righteously. Um, and message after message gives us, this, gives us this idea that you're really not enough. You're not doing enough. You're not committed enough. You're not reading your Bible enough. You're not spiritual enough. And so that builds into, over time, this aggregate message of, you're not enough. And so that's where shame comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like this, uh, the Greek god Sisyphus, who angered, in Greek mythology, he angered the gods, or actually he was a guy that angered the gods, so his punishment was to push a large boulder up a steep hill, and when he nears the top, the boulder slips from his grasp, and he has to go do it all over again. Nearing the top, slips from his grasp. So it's the cycle of futility that you can never really be quite enough because of this gospel of pressure that we have today and a misunderstanding that, wait a minute, you are enough. You are enough. Your good heart now wants to do and has the capacity to do what Jesus himself wants and has the capacity to do. Right. So, you know, we've been put into a union with him and yet we have people teaching and preaching all the stuff that we're supposed to do to make our to make ourselves more complete or all the stuff that you know that we're supposed to do in order to be a good christian or to make sure that we're pleasing to god when god has already made us pleasing to him and and now what we're what we're to do is to live out of that new heart out of out of that and he gives us now uh he gives us desires. He puts desires in our hearts, and uh, maybe we can pick up on this next time. Jim has agreed to stay with me for another program, and uh, as we, I think as we start the next program, we can talk about this thing, the, the desires of the heart, and uh, why so many people are afraid to live from the desires. But before we uh, end this one, Jim, just uh, how can people uh, get a hold of you or find out more information about the good and noble heart? Um, well, you can go to my website. It's um, robinswritings.com. That's R-O-B-B-I-N-S, writings.com, and that's my blog. And from there, I have various links to Facebook pages and those two communities. Um, I moderate two communities called The Good and Noble Heart. One is on a Ning network, which allows you to create your own page and upload your own blogs and interact with others. And then the other one is a Facebook page community, also called The Good and Noble Heart. So you can go there and kind of track things and keep up to date. All right. Well, thanks for being with me here, Jim, on the Growing in Grace Together podcast. And I look forward to spending some more time with you next time. Hey, thanks, Joel. Appreciate it.